Hi, I'm Tom Salvek from Cross Asset Strategy. We're joined today by Karam Chowdhury, Head of European Quantitative Equity Strategy. Karam, we've had a bunch of these signals telling us we're close to the end of the cycle. Recession is looming. You know, we have you know, housing starts have tanked and, and uh, yield curve is heavily inverted. Where do you think we are in the cycle right now? Thank you, Thomas, and uh, thanks for hosting us. Um, interesting question. Uh, everybody seems to have a different view, but very simply, we try to take this from a quantitative side, and we've created a systematic model, uh, essentially taking um, a bunch of indicators that we think um, gives us a good idea about whether growth is expanding or contracting, and essentially we look at the change in the change or the second derivative. What we're finding is that we, we saw at the end of 2021, a peak in the cycle. And so we entered the slowdown phase of our macro indicator. And steadily over the last um, 12 months, we've entered a form of contraction. We believe that we're close to the end of the cycle. Um, the curveball is that some of the data seems to have stabilized in the last few months. Essentially, investors have started to play what looks like a recovery in the stock market. But our data, although it understands that there's some stability in macro variables, particularly on the manufacturing side and some data on the profit cycle, we think that the sustainability is somewhat limited. Essentially, we think that the recovery will prove to be premature and the contraction is still yet to have some downside risks. Yeah, we're, we're worried about the same sorts of things, of course, you know, which parts of the recovery are sustainable or not. I've had the, the, the disinflation from the U.S., which is now called into question after the recent hot prints, European natural gas and the, and the China reopen. So we're definitely worried about uh, which parts of the uh, recovery are more sustainable than others. And of course, when you look at the earnings season, this earnings season does seem to be a bit worse. But at the same time, we're starting from a point where margins are rolling over from high levels. So they haven't fully rolled over yet. Uh, so, so maybe it's not fully appreciated what's, what's coming our way. Which parts do you think of the margin and profit cycle uh, data are, are sustainable? Uh, so it's interesting, um, some of the points that you raise, but um, let, let's start here. Um, when have we ever seen a recovery from a trough in the cycle when central banks are raising rates? Right? That's the key question to ponder. Historically, when data is low and it starts to form a trough, it's usually followed by an easing in the cycle. So by definition, on its own, it seems very odd that central banks are in aggressive tightening mode, and yet we start to see some stability. The question is, why are we seeing st stability in the data? Um, I think investors were looking for a pivot in the Fed. It didn't happen, but we did see a pivot. The pivot happened in the dollar, it happened in oil prices, and essentially we saw some lower bond yields. What we can understand is that when the dollar depreciates like it has done, then it will put a floor on manufacturing activity. And so you have to continue to believe that that trend will continue, weaker dollar. I think the concern here is that dollar may actually start to strengthen as we move into the second quarter. And what looks like stability in manufacturing activity actually starts to give way to some further weakness. I think in addition, if you look at the profit cycle, uh, we've seen an abundance of earnings downgrades in the last 12 months um, from the sell side. Across the regions and Asia-Pac and EM has generally led those downgrades. Um, late to the cycle has been 
Europe and Japan, and they've now started to see that they're joining the downgrade party too. But very simply, a weaker dollar and a weaker oil price generally leads to fewer downgrades. And I think that too is offering the market some type of stability and maybe reiterating a form of recovery. But we think that it's very fragile. What I'd like to see instead are two major variables. Number one, money supply growth, start to bottom. It's worth just highlighting that in this very cycle, um, at the beginning of 2021, money supply led the peak in most macro data. So to believe that all of a sudden it's become a lagging indicator, highly questionable. And then there's the, the story about the yield curve, the 10 minus two. It's inverted. Um, we find that we need steepening in the cycle, essentially rate cuts, for most macro data to rise sustainably. We think that there is a risk that the market has priced out interest rate cuts this year, and a recession has also been priced out. Essentially, we think that there's an element of complacency as we move into Q2 and possibly Q3. Yeah, I mean, there's a very compelling chart looking at uh, money supply growth versus PMI and suggest PMIs need to come down relative to money supply growth. And certainly other folks on our side have flagged what you've been talking about in terms of if we're not in a recovery necessarily, if you have a heavily inverted yield curve, does it make sense for cyclical value to do as well as it has? Uh, if, you, if we drill down to styles and factors, what are your preferences right now? So on the style front, um, value has had a fairly good run. So if you come out of the period of the pandemic in autumn 2020, when stocks started to bottom and rally, value led that leadership, along with many small caps and essentially high risk stocks. In the last 12 months, value has sort of morphed into a slightly different story. It was based on rising bond yields, inflation expectations that continue to move higher. But we had huge upgrades from many of these energy companies. So earnings upgrades from the energy companies supported the value rally. As we look forward, our view is that inflation has peaked. Um, there's two favorite measures that I have. One is the spread between PPI and CPI. It actually peaked in the summer of last year and continues to moderate at quite a fast pace. Um, the second measure is looking at the orders to inventory data that we find in many of the PMIs or the ISM survey. During COVID, the order book was strong, inventories were weak, and the gap between the two was widening, essentially telling you prices were getting wider and wider. What we're now seeing is that inventories are rising faster than orders. Essentially, the gap between the two, pricing, is no longer diverging, it's converging. So it suggests to us that uh, peak prices are behind us. But these measures in, in aggregate suggest that the story for value is somewhat compromised. We have an active call where relative to quality, we would be underweight value and overweight quality. We think we want to be exposed to stable balance sheets here where profitability is likely to be sustained, but ultimately where there is little volatility in earnings and dividends. And quality stocks have already underperformed. They now look like they're more reasonably priced, but generally value is where the risk is as the broader cycle starts to slow. 
Yeah, I think a lot of the things that were working in companies' favor during the post-COVID period with what you talked about, with the pricing set of companies had pricing power and demand was strong, and now both of those things are rolling over, where, where prices, headline inflation may be rolling over, that spread between inflation and wages is, is narrowing, margins are coming in, and at the same time with, with excess savings coming down, there's a question of how robust demand will be. So it seems like a lot of those things which were working in our favor are now exactly working against us. Now, how about at a, at a sector or, or maybe country relationships right now? How, how do you kind of square the circle? I mean, on the one hand, the sector views are, of course, tied up with the, with the country indices, given the different compositions, of course. Correct. So, you know, this interesting relationship between investment style, between sectors and essentially countries, um, they generally broadly move together. We find that from our back testing that essentially style will give you the best risk reward relationship or best sharp ratios with more limited drawdown than both country and sector. But if you were to translate some of those views from style into sector, it essentially suggests that we want to favor some of the boring sectors. We like staples. Um, what is interesting about staples today, people think they're expensive, but if you look at the profit landscape, it's the only global sector that is seeing upgrades. Every other sector is seeing downgrades. Yeah? And yet you wouldn't see that or observe that from looking at recent performance. In addition, we like healthcare. Um, it's, it's, a, also it's on the cheaper end and generally, it fits in line with some of our style characteristics like quality or some exposure to momentum. I think outside of that, we have had a um, two peer trades that we would highlight. One is utilizing staples as a long. The other is looking at financials as a short. It's something that we implemented over a year ago. It worked exceptionally well and then came under some pressure in the last few months as financials have risen with rising bond yields. As we look forward, I think there is another entry point to go long staples versus financials. And maybe with some of the activity this week where banks have come under pressure, I think there is uh, likely to be further upside for that spread between long staple short financials. The other one that catches my attention is the relationship between energy and technology. It was very clear last year, you avoided tech, you made money. If you bought energy and sold tech, you made a lot of money. But the, that relationship epitomizes value versus quality. But it also represents asset allocation in the form of energy being equities and tech being more of a bond proxy. It's not that we're all of a sudden, you know, bullish on tech, but we think as a relative story, the earnings upgrade story has peaked for energy and the downgrades for tech may persist, but not at a level that we've observed in the last 12 months. So it looks to us that there is an opportunity to continue to reverse long energy versus tech story in favor of technology stocks. When we translate that to a country level, then there are some interesting relationships. In particular, you've seen a big jump in European stocks versus US stocks of late. I think that is now ahead of itself, and I'd start to explore taking some profits in Europe. And then finally, within Europe, we like um, areas like Switzerland um, versus Germany or Switzerland versus Sweden. Those type of markets sort of epitomize some of our style and sector calls. Yeah, so maybe taking a bit of a longer term perspective, I mean, a lot of the things maybe we don't like right now, we will 
switch around and, and, and turn to liking once they get cheap enough. I mean, when, when you look into the leadership of, of kind of the next bull market, what's your outlook for value versus growth versus quality? It's a very interesting question. Um, I think most investors realize that the secular trend in styles tends to go in quite long periods. So we've seen, particularly since GFC, there's been a long quality trade. But for a style trade to become multi-year, it usually has to have a lot of different themes. So if we just observe what's happened in the past before we look forward, we've, we've seen that the quality trade essentially started off as a low vol. It then became quality bond proxies. It morphed into secular growth. And then its last few legs were on ESG. But at each stage, investors purchased the same stocks that led to that quality secular bull market. What we also observe is that the leadership of the previous cycle is very rarely the leadership of the new cycle. And it looks like value may dominate over the next decade, but it has to become multi-theme, right? So it may start off with a commodity cycle. It may end up in financial leverage, but it has to become multi-theme. I think if you look at some of the demographical issues, firstly, value has underperformed, but I think also as we move away from globalization to more localization, the impact on local supply chains will generally be more inflationary. And it would suggest that maybe bond yields in the next decade are generally higher than we've seen in the previous decade. So we think that there is a long-term story on value. But there's one point that I would just highlight, and that is most people think that we are already in that bull market. And the one thing I would just mention is that usually that bull market starts once we're a few years into it. So two examples I'll just give you. Value worked after the tech bubble burst, simply in 2000 because value was not tech. But the real bull market in value started in 2003. In a similar vein, quality may have outperformed for the last decade. It certainly outperformed during the Lehman period in 2008. But the real quality bull market didn't start until 2010. My concern here is to confuse what we see in values performance in the last 18 months as a start of the bull market. I think we get a quality rotation before that new value leadership starts. Yeah, I agree 100%, Kuram. Um, you need the cheapness that you see at the beginning of the cycle, not to mention the reacceleration that you get at the same time. Um, so thanks so much for joining us, Kuram, and thank you all for tuning in to JP Morgan TV.